So we did 12 episodes. We did 12 episodes. With no real uh, normal frequency or cadence. Poor idea for what we really were doing at first. I think by the end of season one, we, uh, we, we're, we're getting it down, I think. Yeah, and you know, we really worked our butts off putting out those episodes. And then we're like, I think I need to take like six weeks off. Yeah. And then obviously the Preds were kicking so much ass that you were uh you were a little busy yeah i was really busy um how, how many different cities did you travel to last year uh, do you have any idea i didn't i didn't keep track but it was it was a lot i mean if you think of how many teams are in the nhl and like probably half of those yeah were you able to see at least one game with every team no not of every team no i didn't go to pittsburgh or buffalo or boston which I, I wanted to go to Pittsburgh and Boston. Those would have been cool, I think. Yeah, to get but, one of those Promanti Brothers sandwiches. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, I think it's a, it's got like French fries on it. Yeah, definitely wanted, wanted to try that. But no, I mean, it was it was busy, but uh, it was nice to have a little bit of a break. I, was, I didn't do anything last week. It was just an off. Like, I had three days off, and then I took two, two days off. And so I just, I got a cat. Yeah. And then I've been taking care of him. His name's T-Rex. He's two years old. It's pretty and cool. And he's super cute. Yes. Also, the, he loves LaCroix. Yeah. He was. Be- he almost got yours. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe that he beelined back in here for it. Uh, he's smart. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. He likes LaCroix. Well, I, I I have a box of LaCroix just sitting next to my trash can that's been there forever. So maybe he recognized it. You may think it's like a friend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to get him another... Yeah, a real friend, a live friend at some point, but do you think it's better to have two cats or one cat? It, I guess it depends on the cat. Like some cats are, are great on their own, but mm-hmm. some are needy and want attention. Yeah. I, I don't know if uh house cats are solo animals or like, I've, it, I've would seen they live both. in prides? I've do you have both. a little cat pride in your house? Oh well, yeah, you can, but <laughs> you got to be careful because then you become crazy cat lady. <laughs> Or a man. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy cat man. So while you were on your on your break, did you touch a computer at all? I, when I was on vacation, I did not touch a computer in um unless you count an iPad. I, I honestly haven't haven't been using my computer much at all. My computer that we're on right now recording this. Um I I use my phone for pretty much everything. Yeah. Um or well I use my Xbox a lot too. So if I'm watching, um, well, I guess I don't have Hulu anymore. I got rid of Hulu, but I use my Xbox for sling TV. Mm. So mm. I use my Xbox a lot and I use my phone a lot, but I haven't been using my, yeah, but if, if I had a laptop, it'd be a different. Yeah. But I feel like game consoles are a different thing. I don't think we should include those Yeah, as computers because but, you can't, if you, a computer, you can get email on. Yes. Yes. But, that's other than my phone. That's the only thing I've I've been using the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I have uh, still been playing a lot of Skyrim. I've actually played the same amount of time in Skyrim now that I played in Zelda. So I've noticed that. I looked at I looked at that the other day. I was and I wondered because you said this is one of your new like favorite things on the Switch. So. It's it's less of a game and more of a life. Like it's a whole second life. It's it's a lot of work. Second life. Have you played Second Life? No. Is Second Life still around? I uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I tried it though, and uh, I didn't keep playing it. the The PlayStation Three had a similar game, like social thing, built into the system. I, th- I think it was just called. I don't remember what it was called, but. It reminds me of that movie, uh, Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, I never saw that. You haven't seen that? No, no, no. Well, it's kind of like, uh, uh, it's more like all of society has moved online. And they have all, everybody has like a VR headset. And I I think it's... Not the VR headsets? Yeah, I, I don't want to end up there, you know? Like if I'm, you're gonna get a VR headset at one day. Everybody's gonna get it one at some point. Yeah, but I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, I find myself having a virtual cup of coffee. I think that would be the line. 
Yeah, that'd be bad. You've lost your humanity at that point. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you have to have self-control in everything that you do at, in, at some capacity, but yeah, you don't want to get to that point. No, there's some things you have to do IRL. <laughs> like drink coffee? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, speaking of IRL, Google had a little conference a couple weeks ago, and I think the the most amazing thing that they showed off was uh, their new duplex feature that they're working on for uh, Google Assistant. And when I first saw it, if you haven't seen it, we'll put the link in, in the description. Um, it's pretty amazing technology. Yeah, they had the a video of the assistant calling and making a haircut appointment for its user, I guess. But yeah, it was weird. I don't know. Yeah, it, and it was cool, but it was also we talked about this, you know, before we recorded. But it's kind of creepy. Yeah, it, it, it's really weird when you see or, or when you hear it and you see it. It's it's kind of an uncounting valley situation where the assistant has little pauses and does little mm-hmm. interactions that a human would do. And when you first see it, you think, man, this, this technology is amazing. And then you hear it interacting with a person and it's saying this time is better for the appointment than this time. And do you have something here? And it says, mm-hmm, at one point yeah, to the human, just to reassure the person that it's a you know, a person a person <laughs> yeah yeah i was kind of trying to trick that that lady and i think after you after you watch it it hits you that what google is doing is they're leveraging humanity as an api input for their assistant and that 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 seems strange to me what did you think well i don't mind the humanness of the sound of it but the fact that like you said like it's not saying that it's not a person. Yeah, there's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think that uh, one thing that you want to do when you're, you know, rolling out some kind of AI project like that is I think that you need to be very careful that you're respecting the human on the other end and letting them know what's going on. Like if Google would have just shown that demo with some kind of um, indication to the person that they were calling that it was the Google assistant. I think it would have shown a maturity in Google that they sometimes lack. I feel like they push their technology forward and it's super cool. But then I don't think that they think about all the ramifications all the way. And it's weird. So if you've listened to all our episodes, you'll know that this is our 13th episode. Yeah. Season one, episode one. Yep. Or season two, episode one. Yeah. Season two, episode one. We essentially put out one episode a month and we began- Tried to. Yeah. Tried to. And we began at WWDC 2017. So it just, it feels right that we start season two here. Mm-hmm. And man- there's a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff I was not expecting, honestly. Um, and stuff that kind of surprised me, too. Yeah, but, I, I kind of thought that it was going to be a lighter year. Um, I feel like iOS at this point is essentially a feature complete, right? I mean, everything that they're doing now is a refinement. Um, all the core frameworks are there and I feel like there's a lot of low hanging fruit that they could check off. And I think what seems low hanging fruit to us, Apple itself looks at the security ramifications and how it will interact with the rest of the systems. Mm-hmm. And so they're slower to roll a lot of it out. I, I, I think we should just get to it. So they started with a, a little video that showed the 
uh, developers, but it was like a kind of a nature documentary thing of like uh, this annual migration of developers who come out of their cave. It was like kind of David Attenborough, but it was about yeah. developers doing their migration. Was it David? Like, did they somehow? No, no. <laughs> I, I don't think it was David Attenborough, but it was somebody like that narrating the migration of developers to California. It was kind of just a joke about WWDC. Yeah. And I, I thought it was pretty fa- uh, tastefully done. It was like, they didn't like sunlight. You know, it was, it wasn't mean. It was just kind of true that, you know, a lot of developers are kind of reclusive. Yeah. And, did they have something like that before? For the last one? Uh, you know, I, I don't remember what it was, but I think there's usually some kind of comedy oh, really? angle yeah. to open it up. Keep it light. Yeah. Yep. And then normally they kind of talk about one of their less popular platforms. Um, but they jumped right into iOS 12. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Because um, I thought that it would beat the TV OS or... Yeah. Something else, but. Or Mac OS because they, such a small portion of their business now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, I guess they just went with the old saying, save the best for first. So, <laughs> and they just went right into it. Yeah. Think different, as I, I guess. And they finally started thinking different. Yeah. And, you know, what they really started talking about was the speed improvements. And yeah. What, and, and they basically said that they are, not moving the OS forward as far as what devices will receive it. So it is, um, it's all the same devices beginning with the iPhone 5S through the iPhone 10. The iPhone 5S, I think you said was that, was that the first 64 bit? I mean, yes, it was. So th- that's probably a good cutoff point. To- yeah. It's like the baseline architecture now. Yeah. And I think, uh, their new file system APFS mm-hmm. is, uh, I think it's only 64-bit. Yeah. So it just makes sense that that's kind of their starting point. But in, in, anyway, there's always this discussion of like when Apple sends you a new update to your older phone, that the older phone gets slower. Right. And they're saying that in some areas you'll see twice as fast performance mm-hmm. on those older devices. Um, and I think that's I think that's great because not everybody gets a new phone every year. And uh it helps with recycling. <laughs> yeah, you that's know? true. I mean, I have—I don't know how many old phones I have just sitting around. Like, I guess I could recycle them, but yeah, I kind of like to pick up. I like my uh, my old Windows phone. I like to pick it up sometimes because it's so much bigger than my my ten is now. And, and then they started to talk about the AR stuff, and I, I'm always I'm always just a little bit. Well, it's just, it's just out of your reach at this point. Like it's, yeah. it's, you can use it. It's cool. You can use some useful things. There's games and stuff, but mm-hmm. there's not a good way to use it in every part of your life, which is really what Apple wants you to do with all those things. Yeah. And, and I think they're laying the groundwork to get there. And I think with the uh, USDZ assets, this new file format that they were talking about, I think that that is going to, make AR proliferate more, like make it more available across platforms Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, right now when you're doing an AR app, it seems like all your assets are tied to the project you're doing in Xcode, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think there kind of needs to be an open format that can move in between applications. And, and it's, it was interesting. They had uh, the CTO of Adobe come on and talk about how they were bringing support for USDZ in the Creative Cloud apps. Yeah. And I, I use those all the time. I use Premiere. I use After Effects. I use Photoshop. And you can use the media used for those in the AR kit. So I think that's that. I think when you can get more people, more users, to start creating mm-hmm. instead of using AR, mm-hmm. then of course you're going to get a lot, lot more uses out of out of that technology. People start using making music in their homes instead of studios, and there's a lot mm-hmm. more music. There's a lot of bad music, but there's a lot of good music now too that you might not have experienced otherwise if it was just regulated to certain people. 
Yeah, it could be really huge. Yeah. Uh, AR is a medium type. It's, it's hard to describe because it's now it seems so, uh, ephemeral or just not as tangible. Yeah. Still very, very new. Yeah. A lot of people haven't even tried an AR headset or, yeah, or a VR headset. Yeah. And I mean, I've never tried like the Microsoft, the HoloLens, uh, the HoloLens. I really want to try that because I've, I've tried a virtual reality headset, but not a, Augmented reality. So, yeah, me too. I tried the I tried the PlayStation View, and that was pretty cool. Was it? Yeah, and those immersive experiences have their place. But I, I've heard theories online that maybe what Apple is doing is they're working on an AR headset, and by all the AR kit push that they're doing now across um, the iPhone and the iPad, maybe what they're doing is they're gathering a lot of data mm-hmm. and learning how to use that technology. And then that will be something that is uh, is useful when they make that new hardware. Yeah. And it might integrate the iPhone. I'm sure it'll integ- integrate the iPhone in some fashion. Um, so by making iOS 12 more of a speed and performance improvement than cosmetic, they might be getting that old phones and new phones ready to be used in some kind of headset maybe. Yeah, I mean, because whatever the software is, it will definitely be some variant of of iOS. I mean, yeah. they're not going to start with a whole new code base. Right. So if you're essentially like using ARKit in some kind of um, iOS environment, if you're optimizing for a performance, that, that's got to be a good thing, especially because if it's something that's on your face, it's definitely going to be a lower power device. Right, yeah. You don't want to get it super hot and melt melt your face off. <laughs> yeah yeah it could be bad and then they spoke about photos a little bit and they demonstrated some new search capabilities it's really cool because you can basically like at the search level you can do more than one term so you could look for like a horse mm-hmm. and then maybe you have a picture of a horse eating a taco and you could put horses and taco and possibly it would find that picture <laughs> horses eating tacos yeah do you have pictures of horses eating tacos on your phone no but i wish i did i think that would be you're gonna google you're gonna google that like right after yeah and then i'm gonna save it to my phone and when ios 12 comes out the new photos app is out (laughs) we'll try it and see if it finds it i i've never been excited about an a photos app update before until now i don't even i forgot how large of of, uh, storage i got but Whatever the largest one was for the yeah two fifty six two fifty six, and uh, so I have way too much space. Yeah, I, and uh, and I've I've just been taking more photos and saving photos because it's not just photos you take; it's photos, it's all, everything. So screenshots, photos you've saved from the internet, and it's added up and added up until I've gotten to a point now where I I, I just don't want to go have to sit back and go through and delete all those. Mm-hmm. So being able to search. Um, through like the thousands of photos and videos that I have. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I, I have 11,000 and like 600 photos. And I mean, being able to search for a photo or especially a place, like most of the time, mm-hmm. if I search for the place, I can figure it out from there. Unless it's like Nashville. Cause obviously that's the vast majority of photos. Yeah. But you can get pretty specific, and I feel like anything that improves that search is um, a good thing. Yeah. And um, I also think that the sharing features that they showed are really cool. Yeah. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, so it will suggest photos of a location that you've been to. You took a lot of photos that maybe you went to vacation in New York or... Like with friends. Yeah, with other people and it'll recognize it already recognizes faces and will assign them to. Yeah. And I think this gives you more motivation to actually go in there and, and And say who the photos are. Right. Because before it was just like for your own searches. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe the the group of friends that you went to New York with, you want, you have a photo album of that it'll suggest you send those people in the photos, certain photos from that trip and it'll just do it for you and it'll automatically suggest it for you. Yeah. So you like trying to like go through, I mean, 
Yeah, and, and then when they receive that notification on their end, it will look through their library because I think they're indexing a bunch more events and stuff. So maybe it's going to be like football games and and concerts and things mm-hmm. like that, or like locations like the Eiffel Tower, right? right? And then it'll find your contacts and the times and just say, "Hey, you may want to share this." So I think I think it's I I, I have a theory about these updates. Do you want me to tell you? Okay. So basically what I think is going on is I think that Apple is creating a stealth social network in messages. Because I feel like the blue bubble at one time, it just meant it was a blue bubble, right? Well, now with all this integration with like the photos, it's all built on messaging. Like all this stuff is about getting more and more stuff in into messages and then making the pull and the lock-in of the iMessage ecosystem stronger and um and you know the next kind of feature that they talked about was the um was the the new emojis and the memojis all that stuff lives in messages you know what i mean yeah that's an interesting uh that's interesting theory you have there because the problem with social media um, apps it's or websites. Too public. It's well, yes, because it's it all it's all lives on the internet. Like you make a profile on the internet. We already you already have your own profile, quote unquote profile. It's your your phone, your Apple ID account. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about connecting those those like those unique identifiers, which is kind of your Apple ID. You know, yeah. So it feels more secure. Well, it's it's also end-to-end encryption. Right. It, 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 the other thing they talked about with the photo sharing is that not only is it sharing the full resolution image, so you're not getting something that's been scaled to say bandwidth or whatever, and then um, you're also getting uh, end-to-end encryption that uses their machine learning, mm-hmm. and you're totally secure, and that's completely goes against everything else on the internet. And they, they don't also also need to have advertisements or people advertising no, themselves. It's on subsidized it. by by the payments for iCloud. It's just the, it's just a feature, it's another feature, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's another app. Which honestly I feel safer with my stuff being in Apple's platforms anyway. Because of the encryption and the security and the local processing that y- your devices do. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about in iOS 11 how um, it was like doing triangulation when you said, hey, Siri, between the devices. Well, all that stuff's a year older now, too. So that's kind of my theory about That's an interesting theory. Well, keep track of that. Yeah. I'm going to start looking out for uh, clues. and Yeah. Yeah, so so I mentioned it it, it briefly. They, they showed off that the... Uh, New emojis, and there's a tiger and a T Rex, which is timely with your new cat. Yeah, yeah, his name's T Rex. Yeah, and and tongue detection. Thank God, oh, I've been waiting for that for before the iPhone even was announced. Yeah, I mean that's kind of when you're using an emoji, it's hard to make a funny face on an animal without being able to use your tongue. It's just it's a part of making well, yeah. silly faces at your phone. Well, the introduction of Memoji, I feel like we're about to get into Nintendo t- territory here, but yeah, Memoji, you can create your own, I guess, like Bitmoji if you've done that. Yeah, and the demonstration was really smooth. Like when the when the lady who was demonstrating it, she started off as just like a bald head, and then mm-hmm. started changing the eyes and the color and Had their sliders. And- yeah, and it was all dynamic, and it was all like perfectly. Uh, 60 frames per mm-hmm. second. There was like no speed down. And also when she did a selfie, it, it put the, the, the memoji that she created over her head and her body was there. Yeah. And she was responding to an iMessage. Yeah. And that's another thing. It's like, it's like if you took your, your Instagram story and like shrink it down one more level, you've got those personal connections mm-hmm. and then you can expand it up to like your group chats, yeah. which are uh, just kind of extensions of uh, of their secret iMessage social network takeover. <laughs> what are they going to call? What would they call it? iNetwork? 
Actually, it's not iMessages anymore, right? They're dropping the eyes from everything. They drop the eyes from iBooks. It's just Apple Books now. So I think uh, it's just it's just messages. Well, what would the if you the social network though? What would that be called that they create? I don't know. I think they would look at it more as a utility, like communication or Apple Friends. I don't know. <laughs> Friend book. I don't know. <laughs> I hope they don't use book. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been waiting for updates to FaceTime for forever. And when I saw... Mm-hmm. Do you use FaceTime a lot? Um, I do with Lyric because Lyric has an iPad. And um, I use FaceTime audio whenever I'm calling somebody too because the quality is pretty good. Unless I'm calling somebody that's on AT&T. And then if you're calling AT&T and AT&T, they've got, it has HD voice. So it, I think it sounds actually a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be someone that would, that uses um, FaceTime more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that limited FaceTime is the fact that it was just contact to contact. And so Apple is making a group FaceTime now, which is, you know, normally when you say finally, it's a little sarcastic, <laughs> but this is a legit finally. Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know a lot of people who use FaceTime a lot. And I don't know if that's because they just don't want to use like a video chat thing all the time or because it was a limited app. Well, I think uh, it's a, it's kind of socially awkward to just have a one-on-one FaceTime chat between two adults. I mean, unless you're family. But if they're also integrating it with iMessage. So in a group iMessage, you could just hit call mm-hmm. and because you can have up to 32 people on a facetime call you can get all the friends in there and they don't necessarily have to join i think it's more like a room you can just like kind of jump in and jump out of that's kind of cool yeah so i think uh, i think if there's like a sporting event if it was like or like you know mm-hmm. something of that nature you could have that brief shared moment and if you can jump in and out of it, that would be really cool. You think that would cut know. down a lot on a lot of like the live streaming apps? Because a lot of people, they'll use live streaming, you know, a lot for not just talking. A lot of people just talk mm-hmm. on there. Yeah, well, I and like to the friends, like, you know, Facebook Live will be like, hey, like, check out this. Or you yeah. just do it in your messages. Yeah. Which I, would I, be cool. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think. You can do that now by like recording a little video and posting it, but I think the live aspect, yeah, and it's it's deeper than just like going live on Instagram or Facebook or something because it's two way right. communication. So I don't know. I think they both have their uses, but uh, I'm just so glad to finally see group yeah FaceTime calls. And I can't believe that they set the limit to 32 people. Oh, I wonder why. I mean, I thought they were going to be like, now you can have a conversation with three people or something, but they went all the way to 32. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just, that's the limit to what they could feasibly integrate at at first, you know? I don't know. Yeah. It did seem like they just kind of pulled the number out of the air though, but maybe it's just, I guess you could use it like for classroom, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, maybe that that's why they went like a larger number, um, but they didn't. They, maybe they couldn't make it work with more than thirty-two people. I don't know. I also wonder if they'll make a play into like the conference bridge mm-hmm. space. You know what I mean? I mean, I have WebEx at work. It's a really terrible Mac app, <laughs> but it does it does the job, right? I can I can show people my screen and. We could do video calls if I mean I've never done that, but you can. Um, but I I need it so that I can show work to clients and stuff. Yeah. But uh, if I could do that in FaceTime, I would much rather do that. And also, WebEx is super expensive. So if companies didn't have to pay that, mm-hmm. and they kind of made a corporate play with it, I think it would. Uh, I think they could disrupt that business too, so just because of the proliferation of Apple devices in in the enterprise.
the next thing that they talked about well i'm not really saying these in order but one of the things they talked about was siri and the improvements to siri and what was really cool is you can now create what they're what apple is calling shortcuts so basically apps can present actions that you can create a shortcut and essentially you can say hey siri do this for me and you can set that up on its own and it will uh it will trigger something inside of the application so it's basically making an api platform to plug into siri mm-hmm. and it's kind of like when you add something to your wallet that's what's the action yeah would be like so that's easy and um you do it once and then it should be stay connected hopefully yeah and then so when you create that shortcut it goes into the shortcuts application and then uh that also uh syncs with your mac and with your home pod and it's essentially like automator for ios and but it's adopts the voice paradigm you know like that's the primary input of your phone it's the primary input of phones since the beginning of phones is voice. <laughs> so yeah. it, it makes sense. And, and I was, I was telling you about the workflow team that Apple picked up. Uh, who's just this kid in his dorm room who created this app that it's similar to IFTT and that you can create recipes and chain actions together. And you can also do things like make GIFs in the app. I mean, you can do, um, how long will it take me to drive to the nearest Starbucks? And it'll like give you directions just by the click of a button. Um, but I, they bought them about two years ago and I followed workflow in the very beginning. So I was always wondering what Apple planned to do with that technology. And then when they showed that shortcuts app today, I was super stoked because it looks like the workflow app, just a little bit more Apple colors going on, but mm-hmm. essentially it's the same. But it's, I think it's going to be more powerful to everyday people because it will have that deep Siri integration. Yeah. But I think, I think that the shortcuts are good for all, all developers. And I think that Siri is, is going to be a lot better uh, for that extensibility. Yeah, that would be cool. So it will be a Mac app. Will it also be iOS? Um, no, the Siri shortcuts will sync across. Just okay. So right now, Siri kind of lives in its bubble, right? Like if it's on your, it's on your Mac or it's on your iPhone or your iPad. It's not really, it's not like the cloud Siri that you're plugging into, right? It's just kind of. Well, you said shortcuts app. That's what I was thinking. Oh yeah, no, the shortcuts app is iOS only. Okay, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, but and workflow will just cease to be. I I don't know. I don't know. And, and it's, you can do kind of crazy stuff like connect to FTP servers and Mm -hmm. do all that kind of stuff too. So I don't know if it will stick around and the shortcuts app is like a more consumer version of it because a lot of creative people that use iPads primarily, that's how they get a lot of their work done. So I don't know if it will go away or not. I hope not. I would like to see them both live on for two different, like ones like GarageBand and ones like Logic. Okay, yeah. Like that needs to start happening on iOS. There needs to be more pro apps. And they also had some really great updates to Notification Center, which... Yeah, we didn't, I, I'm surprised we haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How have you felt about the iOS 11? Uh, it's not even called Notification Center anymore. It's called like the today view or today screen or something silly yeah i i get way too many notifications for everything i've turned off a lot of notifications and i feel like the apps that i do get notifications on i need those notifications except not all of the notifications that i get from those apps so can't turn off the notifications for those apps but yeah so apple has a couple features that may help with this right so the first one was essentially like a more granular uh do not disturb settings in your notifications. So what you can do is you can bypass you can say hey don't go to my don't show on my lock screen just go into the today view. 
So then you pull it up and then your your notifications are there, but it's not right on your lock screen. Then it'll also tell you like, hey, you haven't used this app in a long time. Do you still need to get these notifications? And you can say no. And then I think the the last big thing was the grouped. Yeah, that, you know. that's huge. Yeah. Long overdue, I think. Yeah. And I mean, you can already take a lot of actions on the app. If the developer is updated, if it's like a messaging app or like Slack, you can just respond. Messages, you can obviously just respond. But I think it'll be good um, if you also have those stacks so they just don't take up so much room. It's yeah. such like a clutter. Especially right now. if you're playing music because that takes up a lot of room on your lock screen. And then you, your notifications that you got, you know, if you get a couple in a few minutes then you you don't see, like if you just look, open up your lock screen, you don't see some of them. Yeah, they just stream down for forever. Yeah. Yeah, it almost needs to be like, right now it's just like one plane it needs to be like multi-plane so like when you click into one notification yeah that's a nightmare i'm I'm, I'm scrolling through all my notifications my old notifications on my lock screen well i'm gonna start i'm gonna say when i start scrolling and i'm just gonna i'll say when i stop so i'm starting now and i stopped and i was going pretty fast how many days is that um, let's see, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and today is Monday. So four days. Yeah, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that long. No. Yeah. And then, and then, so you can also, that also means that you can triage a group of notifications rather than just one. So it, it's, it's going to save a lot of time. And uh, also, the the today view is not going to immediately show you all your notifications when you wake up in the morning. It'll just like have the weather. It'll just have like the weather, and then you can just like actually say like, "Hey, I'm ready. Show me now," and then it will pull your notifications up. So it gives the user a little bit more control and improves their overall quality of life. I think is that part of the the new do not disturb. Yes. Update. Yes. That is, but those two features are kind of close together. Yeah. Because one's the do not disturb, the other's the notification. So I, I've never used do not disturb, um, but the features that they're adding to it with iOS, iOS 12 will make me use it every day, I think. Yeah. So, I, I use it so I don't get any sounds at night. Um, I think it's on until from like seven or not seven. I think maybe 11 until seven, something like that. And I think I saw it's, you can be location based too. So it's like, mm-hmm. do not disturb until I get I leave to work until. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't show me any email notifications until I arrive. I think that's good because then when you're with your family in the morning mm-hmm. or just like hanging out, getting ready for your day, you are in a, in a, in a better place because mm-hmm. you're not being like blown up constantly. Yeah. And I don't think when Apple created the iPhone, they realized, like, what are these things going to mean for society? And now we have this, like, little supercomputer that's with us all the time, and it's just, like, wants so much of our attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, their focus on not toning down those notifications, and then also they're giving you, like, graphs about how much time you spend, like... I forgot what they call it. They call it free time. Uh, I don't remember what they call it, but uh, it's at the end of every week. It gives you an update on what apps you use the most. And wait, what 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 was that called? And also, it, it'll show you what your how much time your kids are spending in applications. So it's called uh, screen time. Yeah, screen time. Okay. Screen time. So it just says, "Hey, you know." When you picked up your phone, you opened this app how many times? So it tells you not only like, it tells you your average daily notifications, how much time you spend per app, um, how many notifications you've gotten. And then you can actually set limits for yourself and say, hey, I only want to spend, you know, an hour today in Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Or for your kids. Yeah. Which you're excited about. Yeah, I am. Because uh, if my son would, if I would let him, he would just 
watch YouTube or play uh, PUBG. He's actually pretty good at PUBG too. Yeah, I've seen him. Does win. he have it on the iPad? Yeah, nice. I've seen him win more than once. I've only won once, and I was I only won that one because I was playing with a friend, and I had died near the end, and he won. Also, but I was on the team. Yeah. Also, I, I realized the other day that he was playing Battlefront because we have Battlefront too. He was playing it on the hardest mode. <laughs> like he's ten, and he never turns anything on easy. If it's a shooter, he like always turns it to hard. So maybe mm. he's going to be like an esports person. I was about to say. You can make some good money that doing that. Yeah. You but, should train him and force him into that direction and path in life. Yeah, but I, I <laughs> but so back to screen time, I want to limit that because otherwise that's all he would do. He needs to focus on Battlefront two and shooter games. <laughs> yeah. So so he just can't open anything else. He'll go to read a book and I'll be like, No, your reading time's up for, <laughs> for <the day." laughs> Yeah, that that's a cool um see that's something that I, I wasn't expecting at all screen that screen time function well i you, i don't think you follow tech as much as as much as i do but during io google also introduced something very similar for p i think i think it's a whole industry thing right now they're trying to grapple with those concerns about like hey what have we actually created here are these are these tools taking over you know that kind of thing well now's a good time as any i guess platform they talked about was watchOS and there wasn't a ton of stuff here um, basically there's a couple new workouts and I think Siri is becoming more prominent on that I think like the Siri watch face is kind of Apple's vision of what the Apple watch should be like I think the app thing hasn't really worked out for them as much because I just feel like there's no real way to make money in apps on the Apple Watch, yeah. Well, because it's harder to to even use an app on, yeah. So small of a device. So yeah. So I really think that they are um, kind of rethinking that and saying maybe it's just sheer Siri shortcuts. Like maybe it's it's really that's how you plug your app in. And they had a, a, a lot of push with the health and fitness as always because I think that's the main use. Yeah. As an as an Apple Watch user, that's that's what I do with it. So I am not an Apple Watch user, but um, what made, kind of made me want to get one was the uh, the new points system. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I'm a little competitive. Yeah, but well, if you if you have any competitive streak in you at all, anything that motivates you and like takes advantage of that, I think is a good thing. Oh yeah, I, I think it's 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 like a it's a fun way. To uh, spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that—that's what made me want to get Apple Watch. Not you know, any of the integration with your iPhone or opening up your computer. It was the beating my friends at getting the the circles closed on the the health app. Yeah, I th- I actually think I'm probably gonna buy a new watch because I have the Series Zero and Apple's dropping support for that, which also means if you bought one of those. Seventeen thousand dollar rolled uh, uh, rose gold Apple watches. It's now officially obsolete. <laughs> so, what were you thinking? I I wonder if any of the people listening to this have bought a seventeen thousand dollar. I highly watch. doubt it, <laughs> guys. If you have, let us know. <laughs> yeah, and send us a picture. <laughs> um. They're also allowing a little bit of web content and notifications. So yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. So right now, if you get, uh, if somebody sends you a link on your Apple Watch in an iMessage, if you click it, it says, Hey, go look at this on your iPhone. Because they introduced the cellular Apple Watch last year, it's just kind of like if your iPhone's not nearby, I think it helps to split the platform a little bit and make the watch a bit more independent. Yeah. So I think I think that's pretty cool. And so you'll be able to like what? So you get a link to a YouTube video? 
uh, or something? Could you watch that on your your watch? I don't know about video, but what it does is it essentially like if somebody sends you a link to a website, you, you know, you can switch into reader uh, reader mode in mm-hmm. Safari. You can switch your well, basically the Apple Watch automatically switches the content to reader mode, so it like looks a little okay. bit better and cleaner, and you'll be able to view like a menu for a restaurant okay. or something on or like watch. an article or something yeah okay yeah. cool and uh i think that will give it a little bit more independence from the iphone which i think it needs a little bit more independence to fully become its its own thing yeah i'd be more likely to get one if it was more independent because i can do you know i have my phone out a lot so it's just right there but if i had a watch i probably wouldn't have my phone on me as much yeah, and I mean, I think that's just the natural progression of a platform, right? Because when the iPhone first came out, you had to have a Mac to activate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were tethered to, like, sync your calendar yeah. and stuff. Like, the iPhone's come a long way. And I think that's the next step for the, for the watch as well. They also talked about tvOS, and basically, there were, like, kind of two things. They said that it's receiving Dolby Atmos support. And that there's a new sign-in system if you have, like, a cable provider. And that the news app is coming. But Did they say anything about the news app at all? No. And it was weird that they brought it up because it was a developer conference, right? So there just wasn't much of a story there. It, yeah. it wasn't like there's a, not a, a lot of new APIs. It's just like... It, it would be interesting to hear more about that news app on tvOS. Because could it be, like, video? Like... Videos from CNN, videos from NBC or Fox or whatever. I, I mean, I think it has to be because that content's already available in news. Yeah. And um, and because – oh, and, and you know, one thing they mentioned in iOS 12 is they're, they're giving um, the news app a second column on its own. So it's kind of like a split pane view. So – and they're also bringing it to the Mac and we'll get there. But I think that – um. Apple News is is becoming more and more important as a, as a news aggregator. Yeah, because I could I, I could see myself wanting to read a um, maybe an article on my TV if I'm just hanging out. Yeah, and I see oh I'm reading this on my phone and maybe you know I want to show somebody else. I'll just like I'll just throw it up on my uh, Apple TV. Yeah, and the cool thing is 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 Apple TV really does bring in like a diverse group of of uh news sources so yeah and there's a lot of video content so i think that it would be good to throw that stuff up on up on the largest screen in your house yeah but overall i don't think that there's there's going to be a lot of tvos announcements until they talk about whatever their streaming services yeah which you know they've been making huge investments they've got a lot of uh a lot of stuff already lined up I think they've spent over like a, or they're spending a billion dollars this year on content, including uh, a show with like Reese Witherspoon and a couple other people. So I think it's, we'll hear more about tvOS when Apple has their full story hammered out for their streaming service. Yeah. So Nick, how excited were you about dark mode? More excited than I ever thought I'd be. (laughs) Yeah. Because, uh, I like the look of of Mac OS, I do. But having a dark mode, just having options, being able to feel like I can control it a little bit is nice in itself and also doesn't hurt my eyes as much. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I did not expect there to be that much that interesting announcements for uh Mac OS. And I think of all the platforms it got the most love in the ways that matter the most to me, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I was really, really stoked. So Apple announced a dark mode for macOS, and they're calling the new version of macOS Mojave. So they basically moved from the mountains, and now they're going to do desert names. So... Um, and with that, they brought, they showed off a new awesome sand dune wallpaper. Yeah. And so on top dope. of that, they also introduced a new 
desktop wallpaper mode, I guess. Yeah, like a it's like a dynamic switching mode. Yeah, dynamic uh, <laughs> desktop is what they call it. Yeah, and um, that in combination with the dark mode, it just like the dark mode version of mail and calendar. And even Finder. And, yeah, and Finder was awesome. And the messages, it's really dope. Yeah. Um, Finder got a lot of love, too. And it's really cool. So where they were saying that those Safari clips will live is in Finder. They showed off a new gallery mode. So it's just like kind of bigger versions of your files, which I don't find is useful in Finder. Honestly, I like more information, like the densest that can possibly yeah. be is better for me. But this is kind of about bringing your content front and center. And then it's also got a new sidebar that gives you metadata. And that's where they were saying that this, the Siri clips would also live. It's like you can maybe have some kind of extensions in there. I didn't, I didn't really get all those details, mm -hmm. but that sounded interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Metadata is great. Especially for my job, whenever I have to figure out what kind of file type it is or like when it was created, especially that kind of stuff is great. Yeah. And, and they had like instant markup for screenshots. So when you like take a screenshot, it has like a little UI that pops up to say, Hey, do you want to uh, take a full screen or a crop? Mm -hmm. And then you can instantly mark it up yeah. and you can take video too. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's, it's very similar to the screen recording they introduced in iOS 11, mm -hmm. you know? Well, they, they kind of, they've been saying that they're going to integrate these operating. We've talked about it ourselves, ourselves talking about integrating iOS and Mac OS. Well, people have been asking them that. Well, yeah, but that's a direct, you know, feature mm -hmm. from iOS. Yeah. Yeah, and and so it, after they talked about the new features of Mojave, 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 Mojave. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Mojave. No, definitely not that. Better go with that. <laughs> so uh, they also announced that they were bringing some new apps to the. Uh, to the Mac, including HomeKit, which is awesome because I really want to be able to control my Hue lights from my Mac. It's so weird that I can't do that. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just no Home app, so you can do it on an iOS, but there's no controls on the Mac, which there will be in the next version. Yeah, and they're also bringing news, and I've been wanting that. Yes, I've been wanting that a lot. Yeah, I I, I would almost like it to be a website as well. I would like it to be live in iCloud and like sync your stuff all all the way across, but I don't know. I, I'm happy that it will be on the desktop. Yeah, and um, they also talked about how the the stocks app. They talked about the stocks app a lot. Like they're like we're putting news in the stock app, and then they're bringing the stocks app to iPad and yeah, I, the I, Mac. I, I don't use. I think I looked at it. The one time I, I when I you know first got an iPhone that had the that was featured. Yeah, it's like there's two guys that work on the stocks app, and they were just like, "Yay, we're getting all this time!" <laughs> like, I don't know anything about the stocks app. I don't look at the stocks app. I don't. I forgot it existed. Honestly, I occasionally do. They they had it on the uh, the notification center or whatever that is called now. It's like the feet, the first like widget that they made was the stocks app widget. Yeah. And, and they also showed off a new app store designed for the Mac app store. And it's, it's really cool. It's, it's broken down into sections, whether you're like, uh, I forgot what they were. I think it was click create play, learn and develop or something like that. And there will be like the same kind of stories like you see in the app store on iOS 11. So it kind of tells you about like new features in an application and has autoplay videos and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's long, long overdue. Yeah. Like a lot of things on Mac yeah. nowadays. And they also announced that um, the Office 365 apps will be in there and um, the Creative Cloud apps. So I guess Apple's worked out some kind of deal 
where they're just hosting them there and probably not making that much money off of them because they're subscription services. So I'm pretty sure that Microsoft and Adobe doesn't want to split that too much, but maybe it's like 5% or something that they're yeah. just kicking back to Apple to host. So it's definitely not a profit center for Apple, really, but I think what it does is it... um it fills up the app store a little bit more. And if you're putting those major apps in there, people are more likely to go there and buy other things. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I want more Mac apps, but so when they were talking about those four apps that they brought, it was a big deal because do you know where those four apps came from originally? News, mail or news, stocks, home, um, and the voice recorder, those were all iPad apps that they adapted. So people have always been asking Apple, like, hey, um, are you merging iOS and macOS? And they've always said no. But basically what they've said is we're testing it right now. We're trying to see how much of your uh, iOS work you can bring over to the Mac. And we don't have anything new to to uh, let you develop against today, but check out these apps. This is coming in 2019. And I thought that was really cool because normally they're so secretive. You know? Right, yeah. So Nick, have you seen any good movies lately? I've been seeing a lot of movies lately. Yeah. Because I just got HBO on through my Amazon account. So, really? Yeah. Oh. It's, a, it's like a they call it your channels because you can get, you know, stars. Or, oh, yeah. I've seen that. But I, I have a I have HBO now. So it's it's all of HBO, but you just access it through Amazon. Oh, that's so cool. So you go to your Amazon Prime video account or app, whatever you use, and then it'll be in there. Mm-hmm. So I've been going through their movies because... Uh, they have a, HBO has, has a lot of good movies that you can watch, um, but specifically, recently I saw Isle of Dogs in theaters. The new Wes Anderson. It's not well. I guess it's not claymation, but it's like stop motion figures. You know, I don't know what they're made out of. The, but how did it compare to Fantastic <clears throat> Mr. Fox? I liked I liked Fantastic Mr. Fox a lot, but it, it was a lot more crude um, animation. Yeah, I think just I think he's gotten better at filming it and and putting more detail into it because there's a lot of detail in the characters themselves, what they're wearing, in the background, the and um, I so think he the, really refined that process. Yes, it was. Um, it's just it's it's just looks better, I guess, than Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Voice acting is is great as always, um, or as as good as uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox's. But um, I think the detail that he's put into the characters themselves really emanate what the voice is saying more. Yeah, I guess. So uh, they're more emotive. Yeah, they're you just get more out of out of it i guess um story wise i think uh it was really cool it it's it's set in japan this guy and sends all these dogs in this part of um japan in the city to an island isle of dogs okay and um this one this kid goes to rescue um rescue them that's the main that's the storyline yeah I've heard that it's it's darker than Mister Fantastic Mister Fox. Yes, do you think it was? Is is darker for sure. Yeah, but they did. He did it tastefully and in a very good way that to to make it feel like it's still like a a lighter movie. It's not a kids movie, but it's it's lighter than if it was filmed in you know IRL. (laughs) Yeah. How was how was Brian Cranston? He's the lead, correct? Well, it depends on who you would call the lead, I guess. There's multiple main characters. I'm not really sure who I would call the lead, because it kind of switches. But yes, Brian Cranston was good. Um, and another interesting thing is there's no there's minimal subtitles, and there's a lot of Japanese. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So you're kind of more in the perspective of the dogs than you are the human characters. Cool. Yeah, I I recommend it. It's a it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check that out. Well, so we both recently saw Solo, and I thought that it was I thought that it was really great. I wasn't really I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I really liked it. I went in with no expectations, which is how I've tried to go. If I go see a movie in the theaters, it's usually a movie I really want to see because I'm spending more money, I'm getting out of the house, etc. But um, and of course I'm going to see a Star Wars movie. But anyway, I I didn't really read any reviews or I watched the trailer once and the teaser trailer once. Um, but I, I didn't obsess over you know what it was about or what it's going to be like. And I really liked that movie. It wasn't as I wouldn't say it's like the perfect Star Wars movie or even better than the last few Star Wars movies. It's not. It's not the best Star Wars movie, but I enjoyed it to its maximum. Um, For what it was, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I think it was a much more optimistic solo that we were seeing. It's a little bit more headstrong, a little less beaten down by the mm-hmm. world. Um, I thought the that the graphics were really cool. I thought that the uh, the locations were really cool. Um, it's a well made film for sure. Yeah, and it it kind of had that small band of people traveling, doing their little adventure thing. Mm-hmm. That's was kind of essential to the first Star Wars movies. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the criticism that I got was that it was an unnecessary film, which I I don't know about that. I mean, what I mean, all films are unnecessary if you really get nitpicky about it. But but I didn't I didn't I didn't go into that movie thinking like, oh, you know, this is the next Star Wars movie. I was thinking this yeah, is a, a Star Wars a movie. Star Wars, which it says, like, a Star Wars movie. It's yeah, like, yeah. I, it's I not think, the next episode. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that there's much less pressure on these movies. Like, I think the pressure was on Rogue One, because yeah. Rogue One was the first non-trilogy movie. And it kind of connected, you know, mm-hmm. different movies in the saga. This is kind of... It's a separate. It is a true side story, I guess. Yeah, and and it it was just literally a backstory of a character. So, like the events in Rogue One were so critical to right. the first movies that it was just uh, there was far more pressure, and it was the first. Um, I thought the I thought the casting was was really good. That was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I um I thought that the guy who played so I can't I can never remember his name. Uh, yeah, he was great in it. Um, uh, Lando Calrissian. Yeah, Donald Glover was fantastic. Um, um, I thought Woody Harrelson's character was really good. Yes, and I, I liked Amelia Clark's character. I, I'm interested to see if that gets more story. If, if oh, yeah. Her plot line. I'm anxious to see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, I don't give anything away, but um, I could see it either becoming a huge part of the next solo movie or just nothing at all. Yeah, they could I, easily go either way. I think. Yeah, and I don't think they're making another solo movie. So, oh, really? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know where that where that's. Well, gonna lead to, but. do you think they'll tie it into a, another side story? Like just, just kind of connecting or just maybe closing off some, some loose ends there. Possibly. Possibly. I thought it was a really fun film. Yeah. I that's what I, that's what I get, went into it expecting actually was just, I'm going to watch an entertaining sci-fi action film. Yeah. About a really cool character when he was young that I don't know about anything about. Yeah. Yeah. I like getting that, that extra context. I do think that maybe it suffered a little at the box office because it opened on Memorial Day weekend, which I don't think that's where movies go to where they they know they're not going to make a lot of money. Oh, really? Yeah. The more, the closer it gets to summertime, it's, it's, you know, it's more in the fall 
is when like, yeah, but there's also the one. summer blockbuster too. Yeah, but that's 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 where that's where those movies live, and I don't really go. I haven't really seen a summer blockbuster in a long time. It's usually the like Marvel or, or DC movies, like superhero movies. Yeah. Well, I really did like uh, Alden. Alden in Inrek. In I, I, I don't know. know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I should have looked it up. Yeah, he, he did good though.